that in the next two or three generations, we can literally eradicate addiction in America. It comes from new policy and prevention. That's it. Wow. Every business is unique. But the ups and downs we experience as we launch and run our businesses are pretty similar. We're Harmon Brothers, the team behind Pooping Unicorns and other weird but successful video ads you've probably seen. We help businesses grow through unforgettable video marketing, and we're no stranger to tricky situations. In fact, we embrace them. The goal of this podcast is to show how your crappy circumstances could be the golden opportunity that leads to your next success. You're listening to Poop to Gold. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm your co-host, Benton Crane, and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Now, joining me on the show today is the CEO of a company called Recovered on Purpose. And my guest's name is Adam Vibe Gunton. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Now, tell us a little bit about Recovered on Purpose. Yeah, so Recovered on Purpose is a a mission-driven company with the mission of doing everything we can to end addiction through, to- through storytelling. So I actually published my book, From Chains to Save One Man's Journey Through the Spiritual Realm of Addiction. And the amount of people that started reaching out to me that they read the book and they, they found salvation through it or they, or they found recovery through it, it really inspired me to start helping others get their stories out. So basically what I do now is I train other people in recovery to write and publish their books, and then to become speakers. I have a a three-step process called Write, Speak, Serve. And I teach them to write their books because during that process, we get rid of the old identity of being just an addict or not really having um, a lot going for you. And then you have this new identity as a published best-selling author of your story. And your story starts helping people. And in that process of writing your book, You also get your story so well ingrained into your mind. You remember every detail of it. You're able to really get it one after the other, how you want to tell it in order to speak. And then I start teaching them to do things like this, getting on podcasts, getting in fellowship speaking, doing lives on social media, because that's how people that are suffering out there using drugs have to hear a message of hope. So it's write, speak, and then serve. Serve, we go into the schools. We go into high schools, middle schools, and elementary schools, and we deter the future generations from going down the path of addiction. That's amazing. I love that. What, what type of addictions can this method, can this method apply to? It's, it's drug and alcohol. I do, I do have friends that work on other addictions, but I think the one that is really, really running rampant and continuing to grow exponentially is drug addiction. In 2020, we had over 80,000 overdose deaths in America alone, and that's, that was a record year. And we're actually on pace right now to beat that by over 20% this year. Oh, my goodness. That is brutal. I've heard it said before that addiction thrives in isolation, whereas recovery it comes through connection. And, and so if that is true, could a... a I guess, could it be said that the pandemic of 2020 was not good for, you know, for people trying to, to live in recovery because it forced people into isolation? Is, 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 is that a fair statement? 100%, yes. Basically, when, when we get in recovery and we start, start to rely on these 12-step meetings and these fellowships and all of this like as a daily habit, and then we cut off from everything and locked into an apartment, 
with, with no one to, to connect with, no one to hug. Yeah, a lot mm. of us fell off. 83% of those overdose deaths last year were actually from people that had time and relapsed. Oh, man. That is just brutal. That's heartbreaking. Do, do, you, do, you, see, do you see any, like, change or any shift coming given that, you know, the pandemic is kind of wrapping up and, and things are opening up again and people can start to reconnect? Do you, do you think we're at a turning point? I wish that we were. I wish it were uh, that simple. But I think that we are actually on a downward trajectory for overdoses. I think that too many people are focusing on a new treatment or a new, a new method that's going to help, help the addict when in reality, the only thing that's going to help is policy change and then deterring the future generations from going down this. Because we keep feeding, we keep feeding this epidemic of addiction with kids getting younger and younger and younger for their first experimentation with, with drugs or alcohol or vaping. The males now are the average age of experimentation from mood altering substances is 11 years old. Wow. 11 years old. How is that possible? So the only way there's not going to be some kind of like some new treatment or some new fellowship or something like that, that's going to help this thing get curbed. It's got to be from prevention. And then there has to be some kind of policy change with, with addicts being sent to treatment, not prison. And we, and we have to have some kind of, we got to get the drug dealers off the streets because right now where I'm at in Denver, they're getting arrested and let out the next day. And they are right back there. And I'm walking by, I was, I was on a run two days ago and I was running by people shooting up on the streets, made a video this morning. I found, I found a hole um, in this like place of a building, this little like uh, like stoop of a building. I found a bunch of caps for needles and then Narcan, so literally somebody overdosed right there last night and was Narcan to save their life. And that's the kind of stuff that's going on in the streets. And it's a sickness. Addicts need to get help, not punishment and more isolation. You stick them in jail. You're just putting them in more isolation. We can find drugs anywhere we are. We're finding drugs in prison. I promise you that. But what we have to do is help with, some, with, with putting them in treatment, not prison, and then, and then we have to use those stories to go into schools. We have to teach every single kid where this actually goes. And how to how to deter them from making those decisions? You know, almost uh, just close to twenty years ago, I went to Portugal. I served a, a church mission there for a couple of years in in Portugal, and right at that time, Portugal was basically decriminalizing drugs and making it so that you know drug use was no longer a criminal offense. Instead, they were they were trying to do this shift where they were treating drug users and, and addicts as patients rather than as, as criminals. I remember at the time that was like, you mo- most of the world saw that as kind of like, wow, that's out there. And most, most people were predicting that Portugal was going to kind of, you know, degrade into this, you know, land of, of drug addicts and, and, and violence and, and everything else. And, and of course, that's not how it's shaped up to be. And, and Portugal's drug rates and everything are actually way, way down. And uh, I recently read a book that, that dove kind of deeper into that subject. It was called Chasing the Scream. Are you familiar with that book? 
I finished that book about two and a half weeks ago. <laughs> that blew my mind. Like it totally changed the way that I think about laws around around drugs and how addiction is 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 treated. And, and it's like you said, it's treating addicts as criminals does not heal the addict. If anything, it compounds the problem. And and we're going now on decades of of treating all drug uh, use like, you know, like, like it's a, a, a criminal problem as opposed to a, a health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, uh, all of those things. So I, I 100% hear, hear you. Wow. Let's shift gears a little bit. I want to hear, I want to hear a little bit about you and about your story. Take, take us through your poop to gold journey you know, you're, you're a successful person now, but you have to go through some stuff to become successful. And, and, and I want to hear about what your journey has been. Yeah. So it was, it was September 28th, 2008. I'd now partying and drinking like most nights, my freshman year of college. And I found myself uh, sleeping with, with some random girl that night. And I woke up to my phone ringing and vibrating down by my leg. And I swam through the sheets to find my hard phone with the bright screen that read 4.47 a.m. And my best friend Chucker was calling me. And I remember having the conscious choice that I could either answer the phone like I always do with, hey, what's up, Chuck? Or I could answer the way I was feeling with, hello. And in my still drunken state, I chose the latter, to which a soft voice replied, hey, what's up? Why are you calling me this late? I was just calling to say hi. Don't call me this late again. And I hung up on him. And he shot himself. Oh. And for nearly a decade after that happened, I was unable to tell that story to anybody. I was unable to tell him that that phone call even happened as I bottled it down deeper and deeper and deeper with drugs and alcohol. And before this, I was, I was an all-state football player. I was the captain of the state championship team at Columbine High School, captain of the wrestling team. And then after that event happened, I, I began consciously using drugs and alcohol to mask the way I thought and the way I felt on a daily basis. I, I couldn't live or cope with life. And it was the only solution that I could find for myself. And that led me through a hell of almost a decade to finding myself homeless, kicked out of a homeless shelter. So I was super homeless and unable to stop using the very drugs that were taking everything from me. And going back to the point with isolation and with punishment doesn't help us. I had a five year prison sentence hanging over my head after I was found dead behind the wheel of a car by the police. I OD'd behind the wheel of a car and I got a five year deferred sentence on probation. I still couldn't stop using drugs and there was no punishment that was scaring me. The drugs were scaring me worse because I was going into my probation officer every other week, asking him to put me in prison because I couldn't stop. And people try to say that, say, you know, put him in jail or, or you know, this punishment or this isolation or tough love, cutting him off is going to help. I was alone. I was homeless. I was kicked out of a homeless shelter. None of this was worth and I wanted to go to prison as a solution. But I, I ended up on November 6th of, of 2017, 
I used for my last time. Now, November 7th of 2017, I was sitting in my car. Um, it actually wasn't my car. It was a, it was a girl was, was letting me borrow this car. And it was a Tuesday. And I went to this Bible study every single Tuesday. I went to church twice a week. I went to two AA or NA or CA meetings every single day. I was trying so hard to get clean, but I couldn't do it. And I was sitting in this car before this Bible study. And I just, I just told God, I was like, God, I'm done. I'm not going to this Bible study. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to these meetings. I've tried everything. God, please just let me die. Please just let me die. And I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm like telling him this. And then I hear a whisper and it was like, it went through my head into my heart. And he said, it's time go. And I remember at that moment, I got angry because I, because I felt like I had, I had heard that, or I had felt that so many times before when I flushed my heroin down the toilet and went to the dope dealer the next day. So I started yelling at him and hitting the ceiling, the roof of the car and yelling at him like, God, please just let me die. Please just let me die. I'm so sick of this. And this was the point that I got to in my addiction that so many of us do when we don't have an option, but there's nothing helping us. And then I just heard him repeat himself. And he said, it's time go. And I remember getting this overwhelming sense of like, all right, I'm giving it to him. Whatever it takes, I'm giving it to him. I'll do whatever it takes. And I go to this Bible study. I bust in the doors. I'm 12 minutes late. They're in the middle of prayer. I drop down on my knees and I interrupt and I throw my hands up. I say, guys, I can't stop. Please help me. Please help me. I can't stop. I can't stop. And Brandon, my best friend, who is the Bible study leader, and they've all been hearing this every single week. You know, and there's I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of belief in the addict that's sticking a needle in his arm. There's not a whole lot of it. So Brennan comes over and he, and he passed me the back. He's like, hey, bro, let's, let's get through Bible study, you know, because he was just so loving the whole time, which is exactly what you're supposed to do to the addict that's suffering is just love them through it. And he loves me through it. We get through Bible study. And then one of the elders prays over me that night. And I haven't had a drug or a drink since. Five days later, I'm at IHOP, International House of Pancakes, having breakfast with Brendan. I'm sitting across from him. And we're talking, and then I get a text message on my phone. And I just have this little flip phone. So I open it up, and it's, it's from my dope dealer. And he said, hey, bro, I just got some new stuff. It's fire. I'll give you a free 20 to try out. And right when I read it, I felt the spirit enter in through my head, all the way through my body. My toes were tingling. My fingers were tingling. lost my peripheral vision. My thumbs just started texting back. And it was like, you shall not text me again. Thou hast texted me for the last time. And it was going crazy. <laughs> And then at the end, in the end of the text, it said, and fear the pain you cause your son because your son has been blessed with the Holy Spirit. And then I feel the spirit leave me. I was like, what the heck? And I'm like, and as I was writing it, I couldn't even read it. So I like look at it and I show it to Brandon. I was like, dude, that wasn't me. That wasn't me, bro. He was like, okay. And I, I push send, I close the phone. I'm putting it in my pocket. I'm looking down in my pocket and I'm in the middle of a sentence. And I look back up and Jesus is sitting across from me. The entire restaurant had completely disappeared. All I could see was his face. He was smiling at me. There was a glow coming from behind him. And this is like less than half a second. So I was in the middle of a sentence, see him, immediately knew who it is, immediately knew what was happening, fell off my face to the table and my hand up. I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Came back up and he was gone. For the next, for the next uh, 21 days, I was suffering. I was still obsessing. I was shaking, needing drugs, but I knew that God was with me. I knew he was with me, but I embarked on the steps. I, cause that's the only solution we really have that I know of that all of us can use as a solution to get connected with God. 
So I, I go through the steps. I'm on, I do my fifth step on day 25 on day 26. I have a spiritual awakening on my way to go to work with my sponsor that I had no desire to drink or use. And it hasn't come back on day 30. Um, I, I have never had 30 days clean and sober since I was 12 years old. And I still have the journal from this day. God, I can't believe I got 30 days. Thank you so much for me getting here. You know, what would be amazing. God, I don't want to smoke cigarettes anymore. It would be amazing if I didn't smoke cigarettes anymore. Haven't had a drag with cigarettes since day 30. Eight days later, I hopped on a treadmill and I ran a mile in seven minutes and 18 seconds. And since this, since this moment where I got connected with God, my life has completely changed. I know, I know who's looking after me. I know who I'm working for also. I'm not working. I'm not working for you. I'm not working for anybody, anybody listening to this. I'm working for a purpose. I'm working on a mission that I believe I was put here for. And during this time, I was able to publish a book that is now helping thousands of people. Thousands of people have, have gotten my book, have read my book. I've given hundreds of books out and my story is helping people. And now I've actually helped people in recovery, write and publish their own stories. I have people that, that, uh, the DA of the case of her case where she got um, drunk and disorderly and everything where she was on probation, that DA ordered 25 of her books to give out to people that he was prosecuting. Like this, this, this story, the story is so powerful and it's an addict's greatest, greatest weapon in this war against addiction. So now I'm, I'm just so, I'm so passionate and believe that in the next two or three generations, we can literally eradicate addiction in America. It comes from new policy and prevention. That's it. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Adam. That was, uh, man, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm still just sitting here ab absorbing that journey that, that you went on. That, that's amazing. So for our listeners, let's just say that somebody out there, you know, finds themselves at, 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 you know, some point in, in that, you know, spiral of addiction. What, what would you say to them? What, what, what's the next step? What, what should they be looking to do next? Number one, the idea of rock bottom doesn't exist. So don't start looking for rock bottom. It gets worse and worse and worse. If you're noticing yourself spiraling down, do something about it right now. And that can look like that can literally look like reaching out to a family member and just telling them you have a problem. Cause oftentimes the, and I actually, when I got sober, nobody told me what to do. That's the thing. I knew what to do when it was time. And it came down to a point where I just needed someone that I could release to talk to. And then the solution came out of me from my own higher power, from my God, he would speak through me almost to myself. So if you're out there struggling, the, the number one thing is you have to, you have to reach out to somebody. You have to start talking to somebody and then let them, when they ask like, how can I help listen to yourself? If they can't do anything to help, except listen, that's great. If there's somebody that can support you by taking you to a fellowship meeting, a 12 step meeting, or if you need treatment, there's a, there's good treatments out there. I've found that, that I never went to treatment. I believe that there is a power within each and every one of us. And, and the problem is, is that too many of us are constantly looking for somebody else to help us with something we need to do ourselves. There's help 
but they're, they're no, the cavalry ain't coming. No one's going to come to you and be like, here's the answer. Let me do it for you. You have the answer. You just got to do it. That answer that you're thinking of right now in your heart, whether it be the 12 steps, whether it be treatment, whether it be your mom, you just need to literally call. That's the answer for you. It's just taking the step to do it. Where can our listeners stay in touch with you? I would love to give my audio book and digital book free to everybody. And if you go to recoveredonpurpose.com, down at the bottom, just subscribe. I don't even I don't even know how to use an email list yet, so don't worry about getting a bunch of emails from me. I literally just send you the book. So would love to get my story out. And then Facebook, Recovered on Purpose, would love to see you guys there. I do do a, uh, a show, the Recovered on Purpose show, Fridays at 5 p.m. Mountain Time on the Recovered on Purpose page. Awesome. Adam, thanks for sharing your story with us. We appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. All right, for our listeners, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Have you ever wanted Harmon Brothers help in your own business? We'll take a look at your marketing efforts and tell you where you can level up. We have the strategies, we have the expertise. We can help you get there. All you have to do is go to harmanbrothers.com forward slash audit. Once again, that's harmanbrothers.com forward slash audit.